This is Speaking with the Enemy on the Thai Cats Audio Network. Here is Louis Butko. Yes, the show is Speaking with the Enemy. The Enemy with this week, the Edmonton Elks. That is a Thursday 9 p.m. kickoff, which means, of course, here at the Thai Cats Audio Network, we'll be getting you set for the game at 8 o'clock and help get us set a little bit ahead of time. Very pleased to be joined by Brendan Escott. He hosts the Edmonton Elks pre- and post-game show on T- on Ched Radio 630. And, uh, I mean, Brendan, just talking before we came on here, two teams that are really going through something right now. Uh, we'll be meeting at uh, Commonwealth Stadium on Thursday. This is something else. Of course, the, the big headline for Edmonton is going to be, can they finally put behind them this 19-game home losing streak? And this has turned into a nine-game losing streak overall. I mean, the... Um, the morale around this football team, as I'm sure you can imagine, Louis, is, is not particularly high. So the way that they lost that game on uh, on Thursday of, of last week, I just, I thought that this was going to be um, a matchup that they would have had circled on the calendar, saying, okay, we got a, a Ticats team, Bo Levi is down, maybe this is an opportunity for us to gain some footing. And I don't know that they're a football team that should be circling any dates on the calendar. I mean, it's it's a matter of can you cobble enough together to get through a game? And did you avoid shooting yourself in the foot so that maybe you actually had a chance of winning it? And And to this point in the season, including the preseason, it's just been over and over again, a continuation of them finding different ways to lose games. I mean, even before that ball was kicked into the end zone, you had uh, the one that stands out to me, Louis, is the 31-yard catch and run by Shannon Brooks that 10 yards was broken off of because Chris Jones took an objectionable conduct penalty standing on the wrong part of the side. Sideline. Like it just never ends. And ultimately, these are the inches that are separating at least the green and gold from the win column right now. And now you've got a Tiger Cats team that's coming in with a W. Yeah. Uh, let's, I was just going to get into Chris Jones. Uh, you mentioned the CJ Sims incident too. Uh, combine the two. I thought it was really, I don't know about telling, but Chris Jones took uh, somewhat of a, a big responsibility. The coaching staff took responsibility. Was that. Chris Jones seeing his guy, C.J. Sims, obviously going to take all this heat, and we've seen the headlines. What did you make of the way Coach Jones addressed this situation afterwards, and what do you think he's saying behind the scenes this week? Well, he's an interesting guy, as we know, and the pattern that I've picked up is that the close, like the when the team doesn't win, he's very quick to try and and get out in front of that and be the fatherly figure and and take the onus away from the players. And when the team does win, that's when he's standing there poking holes in it and picking it apart and saying this and that wasn't good enough. So because the morale of this team is so fragile right now, I think that he really you know tried to to do everything that he could to take that away from C.J. Sims. And the reality, Louis, is that that is a coaching error. There should have been a whole slew of players screaming at C.J. Sims to get that ball out of the end zone. But plays before that, minutes before that on the sidelines, that should have been made abundantly clear to anybody who had a chance at returning that football. You cannot concede a point. If the American player doesn't know the Canadian rule 
Odds are the coaching staff had something to do with what was lost in translation there. So while it looked really bad on CJ Sims basically doing the Carlton back to the football there and ultimately costing his team the game, like that's that is something that's that Chris Jones needs to take responsibility for. And he did after the game. The only thing I didn't like is he tried to claim that nobody gave Sims credit for the 285 <laughs> return yards that he had against Toronto. That was not true. That was as impressive a game as we've seen any individual elk have this year or maybe even going back to last yeah uh, when we look at this elks team and again i'm comparing it to the tie cats just because i've seen the tie cats struggle what what bright spots can you take away from from this season i mean what what are you looking at i mean we're only four or five games into this season there's still a lot of football left to be played you know looking at the east you would think a crossover is still on the table like the season's not over for the Alps by any stretch. Um, but what takeaways can you, you know, look at and think there is something here? Well, the first thing I'll highlight is how difficult the schedule was through the first five weeks of the season for Edmonton. Five games in 25 days. They started on the Sunday, uh, so they got the last game of week one, and then suddenly they find themselves playing, you know, the first and second game of the week and traveling as well. So you get an Ottawa team, for example, but you've only rested for five days and Ottawa's coming off a bye week or Saskatchewan conversely you know you're traveling to Saskatchewan and they're coming off of a bye week so it ultimately wound up in three games inside 12 days for an elk squad that I think would have been pretty hard pressed in any of those games anyway like those were winnable games against Saskatchewan but when you factor in how often the defense has been on the field and for how long fatigue can't be ruled out you know and mental fatigue as well unfortunately so what was originally a, a true bright side of this football team and in the defensive aspect of things it was really only the offense in the beginning that was struggling now you've got a defense that looks beaten up and tired they've lost Ed Ganey for uh, probably the better part of the season as we understand a collarbone shoulder injury there and that's a, a difference maker so in the defensive secondary I will say this. I mean, the young guys that they've got back there, they've actually done a pretty good job in pass defense. The run defense, though, is getting absolutely gouged on a game-to-game -game basis. So they made a trade. Uh, they got rid of Daniel Ross off the defensive line. They bring in uh, somebody out of Toronto and try and just change the dynamic there. But uh, overall, I mean, you've got a team that's it's been in a couple of games. They've been hard-pressed by the schedule makers, but in reality, there's this is professional football, and they had opportunities on multiple occasions to crack into the win column. They haven't done that yet. Yeah, so. I think it's incredible. I mean, you got the Argos are going to be playing, uh, you know, obviously coming up this week, but the Elks will have played six games before the Argos play their fourth, right? And the Argos are coming off a great cup win. You know, the, the Argos had that bye week, week one, and something that's not talked about is just how grueling training camp in this and I can only imagine a training camp under Chris Jones what that looks like and the fact that you haven't had any rest since then um, back to Chris Jones though how hot is his seat right now Oh, it's a good question. If you ask the fans, it's scalding and it probably should have been uh, a move made a while ago. Of course, uh, with the way that the coaching salary cap is structured here and the, and the deal that Chris Jones is under, they had to make a commitment to him when they brought him aboard a couple of years ago. And you can't be paying for a guy to not 
be helping when you've got limited resources in the first place. May, may I just say that that is one of the worst hmm. rules in Canadian football is the coaching and staffing salary cap. I mean, why would you want to put a limit on what you could do to like grow the game and help these players understand the Canadian game? But anyway, um, <laughs> That's a whole different show. That's a whole different show, Brendan. I mean, we could could spend a whole episode on that. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. (laughs) So, you know, is is Chris Jones' seat hot? I would like to think that five weeks into the season, he's still got a little bit of wiggle room, okay? But each week, the temperature dial is going up and up. And what they're trying to do right now is rebuild a culture or actually maybe just build whatever Elks football is going to be. Because in the time that it's become Elks football, it's been losing and nothing but. They're like 9 and 40 or 9 and 37 now in their last 46 games. So it's about trying to build a culture. And you can't do that when you're constantly processing a different coach, a different playbook, etc. So because there's not necessarily a plethora of better coaching options with CFL acumen, he's going to have a little bit longer of a leash than maybe he ought to in a situation where his team hasn't won a game in nine efforts now. Chris Jones is 11 of his, he's lost 11 of his last 12 football games. And for a guy, you know, coming off what he accomplished his, his first go around there. I mean, obviously the expectations were high, a stint in the NFL. He's bounced around a couple of spots, but obviously a guy who knows football and just not getting the results. You mentioned consistency. Uh, the one thing we haven't seen uh, in Edmonton is consistency at the quarterback position. Uh, all in on Taylor Cornelius. That was the headline a month ago. Uh, you know, Dougie's starting the next week, and now it's back to all in on Taylor Cornelius. And by the way, you have a a highly touted prospect in Trey Ford, a good Niagara Falls boy just down the road from us here in Hamilton. Uh, what is going on at the quarterback position? Is it just Does it just got to get to the point where if Taylor Cornelius is your guy, then he's your guy. You're with him through thick and thin. Or are we still going to be looking at this carousel as the weeks go on for whatever it takes to get the Elks a victory? To me, I think we have landed at Taylor Cornelius as the option. I think consistency, as I as I sort of hinted at, is is going to have to be like you have to build around something here. And and, and whether you like it or not, you've paid Taylor Cornelius mid range starters money. Um, the way that he was showing his confidence and his when he runs, it's a totally different version of Taylor Cornelius. He is a big boy. He is 6'5", 230 pounds. So if you want to stand up in the pocket, you can, but it doesn't really work that well in the CFL, does it? So we saw him at his most effective against, uh, against Ottawa when he was able to, or pardon me, against Saskatchewan, he was out of the pocket. He was moving. He has 60 yards rushing. Doesn't sound especially significant, but in reality, that was making a big, big difference for the Elks offense. And it also opened up Edmonton's running game with Kevin Brown as well. So this is where I'd like to see them just say, Taylor, look, you need to strive for 50 rushing yards and 250 air yards every single game and we're going to give you the keys to do that because we've committed to you financially and and you've been the guy with the intangible arm strength that everybody seems to gawk over but 
you know, you got to be able to be versatile. That's what the CFL game requires. And that's what I loved about Jarrett Daggy in the first place is he's very mobile and willing to get out of the pocket. He's just a first-year pro, and it looked like it when he ended up in that start, right? As for Trey Ford, Louie, this is, this is a real interesting one, and this is probably the one that confounds our fan base the most here in Edmonton because when Kai Loxley on the, was on the roster, he wasn't even starting, or he wasn't even a part of it. Yeah. So... He's, he's not a short yardage guy. He's undersized for that. I understand that that's sort of where they're at. But you would think that using a first round pick on him, that they would be more willing to, as they were last year, hey, here's this part of the playbook. If Taylor can't go, here's what you're going to do in game. And now that they've got him started and they've got Kyle Oxley and Hamilton now, I wonder if we'll see a little bit more of that. But you're right. I, I also find it unusual that they spent that kind of draft capital on a, on a Canadian pivot like that with, with potential, as you guys in, in Ontario would know, probably more so than us in the West. And we haven't really had a chance to see any of that. He looked good in, in uh, opportunities last year and then got hurt. And that was kind of it. Yeah, one of those opportunities, I believe it was Canada Day, but it was definitely in uh, in Hamilton. His first career start, he comes in and he he beats the Ticats at Tim Hortons Field. So, I mean, we've seen what he can do. And obviously, uh, like I said, I, I grew up in Niagara. I've, I've known the name Trey Ford for at least the last few years. So excited to see what he can do. How can the Elks escape how can they end their sorry let me double check here 1370 day uh losing or i guess losing streak but their last i have it written down here october 12 2019 i had to make sure i, I mentioned that number at least once uh, what will it take to reset that counter to zero on thursday uh, yeah, to quote Trevor Harris, I'll say, hmm, so you're counting off days too, huh? <laughs> um, listen, they, they, their defense is actually quite stout. And the fact that they were able to hold Saskatchewan to just that the three points uh, through most of that football game, that's the backbone of this team, okay? Niles Morgan in the middle of the linebacking core is a problem. Their defensive secondary, as I alluded to, albeit incredibly young, like it's it's a slew of rookies, but they've they've played pretty well. Kai Gray is, is a reasonable addition to this team. And what they've done is they've actually brought Luchez Purifoy out of the uh, the free safety position. And they want a little bit more aggressiveness in the linebacking course. So he's playing the strong the Sam uh, position there to give them a little bit more uh, you know toughness down toward the run elimination game. So if they can stop the run, James Butler, I mean, this is going to be really the difference maker for me. Can you put this guy on his back and keep him there? Because if not, I suspect he's going to run all over you and they had their best 57 minutes of football Louie and they were only able to muster one touchdown and one red zone appearance so that being the case you'd better be damn sure that your defense can stand tall against the likes of Schultz and the rest of it I want to get uh, when I do the show I like to get an outsider's opinion on what they make of what the Ticats have done this season Um, from the games that you've seen from what you've read about this team, about this game coming up, what do you make of the the one in three Tiger Cats? Obviously, a lot of expectations. No Bo Levi Mitchell hosting the Grey Cup this year, though. Uh, what do you make of uh, the team in, uh, that's that's coming into town this week? 
Uh, it's it's going to be fun. First of all, uh, superfluously, I love their jerseys. Love the combo. So I uh, can't wait to see that at Commonwealth Stadium. Lots of gold, um, lots of been, gold on Thursday, right? <laughs> yeah. A lot, uh, it would have been nice to see Bo Levi back here where we've come to hate him. Frankly, I would have loved to have seen what that looks like. But uh, but to me, it's a team that, that is fueled by a strong run game in James Butler. That has to be the key. It, it, even if Edmonton wasn't the worst rushing defense team in the entire league, that would have been something that they really needed to game plan around to me. It's a guy that I almost wish they would have targeted in the offseason. Uh, didn't go that way. And uh, and then I look at the options for Schultz and I see a couple guys in Duke Williams who we are familiar with and Tim White who we know what's capable of and say, okay, I mean, this team can can be a bit of a problem on offense in that regard. And I don't need to tell you about Simone Lawrence. I mean, that guy, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere near the football field if he's running around patrolling. So um, I have a sneaking suspicion that you've got the, the capabilities to really feast on sort of an inexperienced or I can't even say the Taylor's inexperienced at the quarterback position anymore, but, you know, a guy who's struggling to find his footing. I have a, a sneaking suspicion that if you can get some pressure on him, that there might be some turnovers to be had. And that would be how that uh, losing streak stretches to t- 20, 20 games. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I'm a bad luck charm. <laughs> I just, I mean, like, I've, I've seen all the articles. I mean, we've written, it's been written to death now about this losing streak. And, and the one that always gets me is uh, uh, what was happening in October 2019, you know, 100 days away from the first confirmed COVID case in Canada, you know, what everything was going on back then. It was a very long time. But, you know, the thing is, you know, from an outside perspective, like, that's such a great stadium. You know, what Victor's been able to do there as CEO and president uh, to really get people excited. And then you look at, you know, it's it's unfortunate, and I, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here about what uh, Amar, Amar Doman's doing in, in BC, and you see, you know, they, they both have that energetic, let's get fans in the building, let's make this an experience, but the Lions have been able to win some games, the Elks haven't, so I mean, I, I feel I, I feel for you, man, I've, I've been through some tough stretches with some, some rough teams, uh, the 0-8 Ticats a few years ago. Uh, goes back to me, but uh, things get better. Let me tell you that. So uh, I appreciate you making the time and, and helping explain what's going on with these Alex. Uh, thank you very much, Brendan. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the invite, Louis. Thanks, man. My thanks to uh, Ched 630's Brendan Escott for joining me on today's show. And my thanks to you as well, because we could not do the show without your support. Make sure you like and subscribe to the Ticats Audio Network so you never miss an episode of this show or any of the other great shows available to you, including the CFL This Week or Ticats Today with Braden Neville. Uh, Check them all out. They're all great. Uh, And we appreciate you checking out this show as well. Remember, you can get you a brand new episode of Speaking with the Enemy as part of Tiger Cats pregame presented by Greenworks. And this week, that starts at 8 o'clock on Thursday to get you set for the 9 o'clock kickoff from Edmonton. And as always, Bubba O'Neill, Andy Fantu is getting you set for the game. RJ Broadhead, Luke Tasker have the call. Hope you'll join us then. From all of us here at the Ticats Audio Network, I'm Louis Butko. Hope you have a great day.